Welcome to episode 40 of the Owl and Badger podcast. My name is Tim and I'm joined by my very good friend Helen and we are two Christians who are seeking to understand the world around us through a biblical worldview. We want to encourage our listeners to apply critical thinking to current events and pursue truth as we seek to live for Christ. Right. Good evening, Helen. Uh, this is this is straight over to you on on this one, our 40th podcast, which feels like a bit of a milestone. Mm. But yeah, over yeah. to you. <laughs> yeah, over to me. So this uh, is a bit of a special episode. We've got a guest with us um, this evening. Um, Luke Avery runs a YouTube channel called Lambda Bible Studies. And I was introduced to this channel by a friend. So I had a listen and I was instantly hooked. Um, I've honestly never come across anything quite like it. And I've been through listening through the back catalogue and I look forward to each of the new streams. So I thought this would be a good opportunity to get Luke onto the podcast and tell our listeners about the channel. So welcome, Luke. Hello. Oh, that's very exciting to hear about. I, lo- I love a personal recommendation rather than the algorithm. That's, that's yeah. quite traditional, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. So Luke, um, can you tell us a bit about yourself and and how a bit about Lambda Bible Studies and how you came to start it? Yeah, sure thing. I absolutely love your introduction because you've got, I think, a similar kind of mission to me, which is um, both of you committed Christians, and and I think you'd agree that's front and center in your life. That's the absolute core of what you do is is your faith, um, but also that there are some things that you like to peer behind and question about the world that we live in, um, bit, bits of the received wisdom of our age um, that sometimes seem to have got swept along into the the pulpit of, of the churches with mm. a bit of a lack of discernment. So um, part of what I do on my channel is, um, so as you said, Lambda Bible Studies, um, whose whose audience I think it is kind of drawn um, partly from people who are who are like us three committed Christians, but with a certain a certain perspective on the world maybe, and then partly it's actually there's plenty of people who watch the channel, and this is the bit that I'm really excited about with it, um, who aren't Christians. Um, but they know me from other YouTube channels that I've popped along on, and I've been the Christian voice in that space. Uh, okay. um, and and they're kind of just, they have YouTube on in the background while they're doing their chores or whatever. They just like hearing a familiar voice. And I just had this idea in the middle of lockdown that I bet there's people who'd be prepared to listen to people talk enthusiastically about their faith if it's voices that they recognized, because I'm happy to sit and listen to people talking about things that I don't understand as long as they're really passionate about it. But I thought some of these people, I think, might accidentally imbibe the gospel (laughs) along the way, right? Um, And these are often people who are already questioning some of, as I mentioned, some of their received wisdom. So if if they're gonna question things that, that they've, been brought up believing one of those things might be that Christianity is this outdated old fashioned concept that we can do away with. Mm-hmm. And I kind of, 
I just had a feeling, and I think looking back on it, it was really God's guidance and, and the project has been way more successful than I could have possibly expected. Um, so, so I think God's really guided me in that. And, and I have had quite a lot of people <laughs> since the thing started who've basically relayed to me exactly that has happened to them, that um, they were quite far away from Christianity. They, they weren't attending a church or, or anything. And, you know, with Lambda Bible Studies as one part of, of God's work in their life, um, they're actually taking faith seriously for the first time. So, yeah, really, really exciting thing that, um, that God's, um, you know, been, been working and I've been a part of. That's, that's fantastic. Yeah, that's amazing. Do, do you think, thinking about your listeners, I mean, I am imagining having listened now for maybe a couple of months, and I've listened to uh -huh. quite a lot of episodes. Uh -huh. um, mostly, or would you say the majority are probably chaps who listen? That's a good question. It's, it's don't you really difficult know? to. It's difficult to know exactly. Um, so I've got a Discord server that is associated with it, and in the Discord server there are some sections of it. Um, that you're only allowed in if we actually verify <laughs> that you are um, a man for, for like the men only space. And then there's a women's only space as well. Um, and uh, well, by verify, we either mean, you know, somebody who knows somebody who we know, right? Oh, or okay. Yeah. We kind of accept if you come in voice chat and you have a <laughs> con convincingly <laughs> enough gendered voice, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll accept that. Um, so, Based on the number of regular people in the Discord who ha who we've we know one way or the other, which I think is these days about as best as you can get. <laughs> I think it's about it's about say eighty percent, ninety percent male. So yeah, that's a long yeah. way of saying yes. It's a yeah. it's a male dominated audience, um, but l largely I think that's because the the majority of the audience that I was pulling from was male itself. And actually, I think I probably have a slightly more, a slightly more female audience than the other channels that, that are, I, I guess the channels that I, my audience is drawn from have um, politics in common. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and actually of those channels, they're even more male skewed. Yeah. yeah. Well, I just, I wondered if that might be the case. And I was quite interested in that because mm. um, I know that it's the case that um, it's probably over the last few decades become increasingly a challenge for churches to draw in right. men. And mm, interesting. so it's interesting to me that your online community is drawing in men, which is mm. which is a good thing. Well, it's very interesting. And I think part of it is because... I, well, as I say, my, my starting point of where, where I'm drawing the audience from is, is male. Um, but, but also I wonder if there are issues, well, I'd go further than wonder if I, I think it's pretty clear that there are issues of churches having become um, overly feminized, mm. um, yeah. which I'm not sure is even something that women necessarily like, um, the, the, but it's certainly for a lot of men is is quite um off-putting um 
that's a whole oh, we, that's a rabbit hole we could go down for many hours <laughs> <laughs> yeah well it, it is actually just but on that i listened mm. to someone this week a pastor saying uh that in his church he makes sure that wherever he can that it's as um masculine as possible so they don't have flowers they keep the, the type, um, fonts, the logos, things quite yeah. bold, uh, the colours. They don't have pink. They have, don't have any yeah. frills because he said he thinks that the women aren't put off by it. But if it's too feminine, the men are put off by it. Yeah, I, 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 I can. I, I guess we could overfocus. That I, I, I can see what he's saying. Um, there's a certain superficiality to that analysis, and I think there are some ways in which e even the um, exposition of scripture uh, tends to be done in a slightly feminine way. We we lean away from aspects of God's character, which um, which maybe are expressions of a more masculine. Because we we are made in God's image as male and female, and I think when you see God's, you know, aggressive, judgmental hatred of evil, that kind of um, warrior aspect of God's character, um, the sermons that I've experienced are always very apologetic about this and <laughs> trying to downplay it and excuse yeah. it, and yeah. and there's a lot of embrace of the the forgiveness and the the love and the care and the gentleness. And those are all things that are true of Jesus and true of, of God. And I wouldn't want to push those away. But I, I think it's what I'm saying is it's deeper than just having flowers at the front of the, yeah. the building, right? Um, yeah, we, I, I could come up with more examples. But um, there, there's I, I think there's something about the aesthetic of the building if you come in and it feels like a um pretty fragrant place that is somewhat honest about what you would then discover when you dig deeper that the um the the truth that the bible presents has a kind of gritty harsh reality that is sometimes um been perfumed in the same way that the room has <laughs> Yeah, it's it's from it's from a kind of desire to to want to make people feel at ease, isn't it? But it, I think it's sometimes misplaced. It's like what yeah. you were saying just a moment ago when you, you know, we talk about the kind of the nice aspects of of God, if you, for want of a better phrase, and and we devalue grace when we don't talk about judgment, for example, and and it's kind of you know, we've got ourselves into a little bit of a a muddle. I think, to put it mildly, in the church in that. So that's really, yeah, that's really it's, interesting. It's interesting you use the word nice because I could see what you mean. Um, I'd say feminine, and I, th I don't mean to criticise the feminine aspect because I think those, um, those aspects of a woman are are a reflection of part of God's character and are as praiseworthy as the masculine. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But when a man is encouraged to be nice, which sounds like a completely, um, a, a completely positive thing where um, there's no reason not to be nice, but you're actually including elements of femininity, smuggling them through that word, you actually produce men who are missing a certain aspect of themselves that they they ought to embody. Mm. Mm. So. 
Just to, just to, to th- throw out a thought. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely. Well, well um, one of the things that I've noticed uh, with your channel, um, there's a few words that crop up quite a lot, which mm. um, I find quite interesting and and it's probably why I've been so drawn to the channel and have enjoyed it so much so uh, one of them I would say is orthodox Mm. Um, another one I hear quite a bit is based (laughs) and another one I hear is dissident Um, so uh, do you want to talk about any of of those am I right that's the kind of think so yeah okay yes so orthodox is an interesting word a bit like the word catholic that in a lot of people's minds have the primary meaning of a denomination so if you are the if you are a literal member of like a greek orthodox church then you consider everybody outside your church to be heterodox and your the the orthodox church is like the one true church And, and likewise if you're part of the roman catholic church catholic meaning I mean, like Anglicans, don't they? They say it. Um, you know, we believe in the, the the true, holy Catholic Church. They don't mean Rome. They mean the worldwide, like expression of Christ's yeah. body on on the planet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I think Orthodox is a useful word, um, whereby if I if I was to express that my view of um, the Trinity is orthodox, for example. What I mean is that I don't subscribe to any of the things that have been declared heretical. And, and I sort of have a normal, a, a, a kind of accepted traditional um, perspective on that doctrine, rather than a, a weird edge case, heretical or, or whatever, um, which is interesting because I think I have in my personality, I, you know, I work in technology. I like to invent things. I like to come up with weird, I, when I'm reading scripture, a part of my brain is going, is there some alternative way of reading this passage that nobody's ever thought of before? <laughs> um, which can be useful, but I, I think that's a bit of a dangerous instinct um, and actually, one of the things I've observed is that some of the wisest and humblest and stablest people that I've met have had pretty straightforward <laughs> understandings of a lot of things. So when I come across an, an idea, um, I don't know, say um, the new perspective on Paul, right, N.T. Wright, um, the, the fact that it's being presented as, oh, here's a new perspective – um, which several years ago would have made me excited and interested, now immediately raises suspicion. Like, is it <laughs> is it likely that there's some key bit of doctrine that took 2,000 years before anybody figured it out? <laughs> like yes. a, a really key yeah. bit of the Bible that just nobody understood until now. Um, so I, I guess that's why I probably think of Orthodox as being generally a positive term these days although i wouldn't put it i wouldn't actually say it's impossible for there to be theological progress made i I don't think theologians should be 
um, abolished because we can just read like the, for example, I don't think we should just um, read the Bible and and there's no value in any any other um, writings, which is close to a perspective that I've had in the past. But um, I, I yeah. yeah. So it, I, have you got thoughts on 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 the word orthodox as as a starter? I think it's it's a good it's really important to kind of I think one of the things that we've we talked about a number of times I've found myself and, and been on our minds quite a lot is like just, you know, being biblically orthodox. And I, I think I think it's possible to to um to 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 be orthodox in how you, you view scripture, but at the same time be open to gaining a deeper understanding of of God and to, mm. to my mind that's different to saying oh I've got a in quotes fresh revelation which right. which which feels like that's a departure from the narrow path and mm -hmm. it, I think a lot of people would see understand biblical orthodoxy as a constraining thing when actually I I I would I would say it's it's a liberating thing because it's it's through that that allows us to to start to to begin to grasp who God is and His mm. glory and what Christ has done for us. And yeah. does that make sense? And I think I think there's a tension in in the church. You see a lot a lot today where people do talk about a kind of like I said, you know, fresh revelation or a new way. And I'm I'm, I'm always like, whoa, steady on. There's well, kind of like some alarm bells going off. You know, period where um, the progressive mindset. Even if we would never in a million years call ourselves progressives, um, is probably still sitting somewhere in the back of our minds, and we we are inherently suspicious of anything um, that has. Well, I guess you can train yourself out of it, but I, I think a lot of us are still in the process of doing that, where if it's something new just inherently feels like it must be better than something old. Mm. Um, and I, mm. I'm increasingly finding the opposite to be the case. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's also worth saying, as for example, as Protestants, that um, a lot of our views are considered unorthodox if you were to talk to a catholic then their their view of us is that we have so you can you can go too far and you i have found people um who it's almost like their hermeneutics is not based on anything except being anti-progressive and that, that all they really want to connect to is the most historic form of christianity um and and if you put your time horizon back like 500 years, then you end up with something that I think is is quite far away from truth. So if you if you end up with, um, you know, what I would consider to be idolatry in, in the form of various Ro Roman Catholic practices, um, but if you were to set, defend that from the perspective that the Reformation was this was the exact same spirit um, of its age as we are now seeing in the move towards gay marriage and tra pro transgender and et cetera, et cetera. Um, you can see how people mm. end up following that. A, a lot of them actually end up at orthodoxy as in li literally becoming um, like R Russian Orthodox 
based on exactly this calculation, like, well, I grew up Protestant, but clearly it is, um, clearly progressivism is, a, is this Protestant heresy. So let me not just back out of progressivism, but I'm going to back right out of Protestantism as well. And, that, and I think that explains that the orthodoxy seems to be um, weirdly getting this sort of strange modern cult following in the west yes yeah yeah no, that's interesting what were the other words you mentioned based uh, based yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I i don't know the exact etymology of based as a as an internet word is probably came around 2000 and sort of 14 15 i think and i, I remember people being described as based kind of meaning that I, I, I guess the implication is that their beliefs are, are based in truth and reality. Um, it's, it's, I guess the, <laughs> maybe it's the sort of the right wing equivalent of woke. It's kind of <laughs> some, <laughs> so if the implication of woke is that you were asleep until you, um, and, until you opened your eyes, it's like the open your eyes sheeple thing, and then you realised, oh, we're living in a, um, you know, sexist, racist patriarchy, and blah blah blah. And then the right wing equivalent, the the like, take the red pill, and then you're you're based. Um, your your views are all you're seeing through the system. Um. So, and and partly this is a word that gets bandied about when somebody says something which is culturally shocking as a bit of an uh, uh, <laughs> people mm -hmm. use it i think to egg each other on a little bit like um it's a good good work you've overcome your cultural programming and now you're able to see through and speak freely um <laughs> which weirdly so you 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 can criticize people for a cowardice in mainstream culture for just parroting things that everyone else is saying, even though you know that they aren't true. Um, and actually, I've taken up a little bit calling people out who are Christians operating um, within a, a um, I don't know if right wing is quite the right word, but um, or we could talk about the word dissident in a minute. But if you've got this um, view that um, you share in common with the other people that you talk to online, um, there's a tendency that people purity spiral and become more extreme. And you're actually saying things just so that other people <laughs> say you're based. You're the most mm. based. You're the, you, you're the most red-pilled. You're further off the deep end than anybody else. And actually that can be, that can be a danger in that direction as well, that you, you end up, um, you, you end up spiraling and trying to endlessly uncover conspiracies and untruths just so that you can appear the most completely enlightened and off the wall thinker. But um, I mean, that's, yeah. that's a real, that's a, I think that is a real challenge as, 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 as Christians to, 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 to kind of work that one out with the purity spiraling things. I've often thought about this because you've got a, a pursuit of truth 
in which in where a part of that is um refuting error mm. and then you've also you've got to balance that with with recognizing that you 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 you're not always going to get everything right yourself and yeah. and it, it's you can't be pursuing this sort of like say you can't be just saying right you're not in now you're not in now you're not in now because mm. such and such person has said something which you know chucks them off the chucks them off the spiral so to speak and and it, yeah. yeah it becomes a debilitating thing and yet the the opposite is also not an option which is to say well the main thing is that we all get along and we all yeah. we all just we all have a kind of a, a unity which is not a scriptural unity it's just people not being willing to actually stand for anything yeah. I, don't, I don't know if you found this ever but i i remember when i was younger um being very frustrated in bible studies i did this all the time at uni if everyone was just sitting there agreeing with each other i, I felt like we're completely wasting our time if yeah. we already arrived yeah. all on the same page here <laughs> what's the point like so i would be looking for points of disagreement and i guess it was probably a healthy instinct there which was i'm you know i'm young i'm eager to learn i want to test my metal i want to find the you know find the area that i'm weak on and strengthen it or or whatever um but there are warnings in the new testament about um be being dissenting and and there's probably a personality type that has the the, the advantage of uncovering lies in the culture but the disadvantage of um wanting to start fights and quarrels um and the unity amongst believers is important so you have to find like you said you have to find the balance between those two extremes i i, I would argue that um most christians um in the west are resting on their laurels far mm. too much and are failing to be as wise as serpents which is what mm. jesus um told his followers to be um maybe they are gentle as doves but they then they're not they don't have the um that they don't have the proper understanding of what's going on in the world that leaves them ineffective and and vulnerable um so so yes i i whilst i might have a personality type that means i have to remind myself not to be a troublemaker <laughs> i nonetheless <laughs> would still push most people to be more troublemakers than they are yeah <laughs> I think that's that's a really good way of describing it. And I would say, although I'm probably my personality type means that I'm not a natural troublemaker. I did talk uh -huh. about this a bit in our last podcast, but um, but still, I remember, oh, probably for oh, a lot of years now, I have felt um, really quite frustrated uh, in in the churches I've been in. I felt like. I feel like a radical or I feel like a radical mm. inside. And maybe this is, we could come onto this with this word dissident um, mm. and frustrated that, and, and I've, I've not really understood that because I've thought, but my personality type isn't really like that. And yet I'm mm. sitting here thinking this is, this is too cozy. This is too easy. This is not radical. It's not, 
it doesn't match with what I see in Jesus and the way he taught us to be. And mm. I want to follow him and be like more like him. And this, the churches that I'm in are not, you know, I feel like I'm the radical one. And it, and then, you know, that shouldn't be the case with someone like me. I should be finding that there's plenty more people more radical than me around. But that, that, you, that, that, Sorry, can I just add something to that? Because I think, I think that that's, this is really important because, because sometimes I the impression is that I have is that people would look at somebody maybe like you, Helen, or or, or, or like me, or maybe maybe like you as well, Luke, and think, well, you, you you're radical or whatever, or a dissident or whatever word you want to use, and you're just you know you're wanting to be out there, but actually, you know, my heart and think like what you're saying is Helen is is not that I don't want to be the one out there on my own. I want. Mm. I want. I want to actually be following somebody else. Actually, ultimately, following Jesus, of course. But 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 I want to. I don't want to be the one necessarily flying a flag or leading the way or anything like that. I want to say, look, guys, we can't do this on our own. Mm. And it's wanting to be part of something rather than being different for the sake of it. Um, mm. Does that you know what I mean? Does that make sense, Helen? Does is. Yeah, I think I think you'd like to think I would like to be part of a radical group of believers. That's you know I want to be want us all to be radical, and um, I I can't see how really you can be truly um, following Jesus and living the Christian life without being radical in the world in which we live. And G- Jesus both said that um, you know blessed are the peacemakers. And also that um, he's come to bring a sword and to turn like brother against brother. So th- there's a uh, th- there are both ideas in Jesus' teaching, and I think it would be um, well. And and again, t- to look at Jesus as an example, his ministry <laughs> mostly seemed to be wandering around. Um, criticizing Pharisees and the Pharisees we have to remember were the religious authorities of the of the day and it wasn't that the Pharisees were responsible for the worst behavior of the day but it was that they were the people who were claiming to be God's representatives and he held them up to that standard and said that they were totally failing um I wonder I wonder whether a lot of churches have a lot of people in them who are somewhat paying lip service um, to Christianity and that the relative apathy that is being revealed as true Christianity diverges from what's acceptable in the wider culture um, weirdly will end up in a helpful purifying where the... um, the comfortable social club becomes unmaintainable. That the um, the cost for being a nominal believer becomes too high. Um, mm. Like, well, I I was, and I'm sure lots of people, maybe people listening to this as well, had a similar experience during COVID. Um, I I was shocked at the impression I got from lots of people in 
in the churches that I am connected to, and also even the leaders of, of many of these churches, in the attitude that that we were being faced with a problem for which it was the correct response to be very fearful mm. and to turn to the government f- to, to be the solution. And I think probably it is the case for all three of us that we want to find ourselves taking safe harbor in our churches and standing together against the culture. But the problem we've got is that um, I think there's that in a way we've been too comfortable for too long. We, we all have been like as, as a collective, as the Christians in the West, we are all a bit like the rich young ruler. Mm. Um, It's harder for, um, a man to get to heaven if he's that wealthy. And I think that applies kind of to the church as a whole has kind of become fat and bloated. You know, it's harder to get to heaven for that rich man than for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. Um, so that's a, a slightly um, accusatory and spicy thing to say. And I don't want to, I don't want to be <laughs> lightly casting aspersions at, at fellow believers because um i you know I, I, i'm very conscious of not wanting to be a troublemaker and and um that actually being schismatic is a is a bad thing i think um so yes my hope and um prayer is totally that um there is a po- process of reevaluation and people kind of get their spiritual act together i don't want to be a troublemaker and breaking off and uh, causing division. Um, but I'm just, I'm very conscious. There's lots of things that I talk about, like I'll talk about on this podcast. I'll talk about on my YouTube channel. Um, I'm very cautious about when and where I say these things um, with sure. people yeah. from my church. Mm. Uh, I, we, we can relate to that. I mean, I, I think, I think on what you were, you were just saying though, Luke, it's, um, I think there is a, a real importance in recognizing the situation that we find ourselves in at, as the church in, in the West or in, in the UK at least. And I think we need to be honest and open to that. And it's not an easy thing. I mean, much of, you know, much of the church is kind of business as usual, um, it would seem. Uh, which is, I think, uh, a, a, almost a bizarre thing to 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 be doing, considering, you know, not only the last three years, but what that should have actually done for us in terms of waking us up to the to the to the spiritual reality. Mm. Um, and and it is it is very easy to to go into, um, I suppose, being critical, mm. but. Uh, yeah, it, it, and it's something that should, needs to be handled with the utmost of care. But but as but as believers, unless we can acknowledge our situation, I think we we are you know we are deceiving ourselves. Mm. That's not good. Not that's not good at all. Um, dissident, I guess is the mm. the third word. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which is really a word I've wrestled with um, because. Probably, if anything, 
dissident is is maybe the more accurate descriptor for the political position um, of the people who've become, you know, a large part of my audience for my YouTube channel. I, I'm not sure it's quite right to call them right wing because um, that doesn't really capture the, you know, the, there's certainly people within that group for whom right wing would be a very straightforward label for them. But I, d I don't think it's like a party political um, axis. I don't, what, what it probably captures is just a kind of, um, I guess it's an absence of blind trust in the systems and in the authorities as having our best interests at heart. Mm. Yeah. Now, I, I think probably the word dissident historically has kind of implied a, a group which are actually intending to <laughs> take part in some kind of overthrow or, rev or revolution or something like that, <laughs> um, which I think on you know on the basis of romans 13 and and other passages um i'm you know heavily wanting to discourage in in general it's it's like the people in authority over us don't have our interests at heart and we wouldn't expect them to. And then how do we live in response to that is more how I, how I view it. But a big part of that is we don't blindly pray through the government's agenda and try and affirm everything that it says. We don't run to our authorities as the solution to our problems. We sometimes have to be critical and dodge around what people are doing here in, in authority over us. Um, and we, we have to have our eyes open to the lies that are being taught to children at school and in other official sources and places. Um, and including that means sometimes you, you find yourself um, slightly talking in, in code terms, getting around the, the YouTube algorithm or, or funny things like this. And it all starts to feel quite cloak and daggers. But that's that's been true of the church in lots of times and places in, in history. And I think it's a recognition of that reality about our current world that is needed in that because we've had a historically Christian to one degree or another, you know, at least Christian sympathetic government in England, then it's been very easy for churches to develop habits of trust that I, that I think are unhelpful. So, um, yes, there's probably a whole suite of <laughs> beliefs that people who um, watch my YouTube channel would be sort of aware of or sympathetic to that's not true of a wider audience. Um, so again, my, my project is partly for Christians 
who are in that camp to provide them with some biblical exegesis that takes those ideas into account um, or, or at least doesn't overlay unhelpful modern ideas on top of the Bible. Mm. Um, and then the other half of it is for people who like listening to me um, on other topics, that they can come and be given a really clear gospel presentation where I think that, um, after all, whatever problems we see in the wider society, the true central problem is a spiritual one, and you, you, we're not we're not going to we're not going to actually fix the problems through anything except a um, you know a a re embrace of the worship of God. And everything else is just a, a symptom of, of that central condition. Yeah. 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 I think that's, that is, that's really, really insightful. Um, and it is, it is, it is a challenge, I think, at the moment in, in church where there is that pervading sense, that almost kind of unsaid narrative of, many 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 believers still believing in the system mm. that you know they've grown up with and well, we've we've grown up with and mm. um and and i think once once you you, you see the the cracks in it and, and the flaws and any the the facade actually is very thin and it comes down you think oh right okay <laughs> this is this is the reality um yeah, mm. that that becomes that becomes, I think, a really important thing for for churches to be to be awake to. And it's it's quite it, it, what you were saying earlier about woke awake. You know, we we often like Helen and I will often talk about you know the being awake, and in in church churches that might be awake or Christians that might be awake to what's happening in the world and and you know open open to that and reading their Bibles and applying like a biblical worldview. Um, and it's just, yeah, it's quite funny that woke awake. Yeah. <laughs> Marry up there. Yeah, we're, we're, we're awake, not meaning but definitely that at all. Not woke. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Or, or we could re try and redefine woke, like true woke. Oh, yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's, an, it's always an interesting question to me how politically involved it's appropriate to be as a Christian. Um, because to some degree, um, political awareness is really important so that we know how to act correctly in the world. And occasionally, I think we um, are called by God to, um, to, to act in the world. Um, so the word politics, I think, needs a little bit of a spotlight put on it in the sense that there's the the gen the generic concept of politics, like you'd say office politics, for example, which is how the different people involved in the system have different amounts of control, and you might do something in order to achieve a goal that you have. So, what, why are you doing this? Because that person will be pleased with me, and then etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. 
And on that level, we need to be aware of politics of the world as it changes around us and occasionally act in it. But on the other hand, I think what's often considered politics, as in voting in the day-to-day of Westminster and blah, 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 and and then also things like um, activism for climate change and um, parading in the streets for this, that, or the other. I think all of those things are um, a totally destructive misuse of time. And so if I, if I say to people that my channel has a political perspective, um, what I don't want people to think is that I am, you know, campaigning for a political party or, or all of those mm. things I consider to be totally um, unwise waste of time. Um, but I do think politics, as it is properly understood, um, really is a... I mean, I'd actually argue that it's part of the same field of interest in human behavior that the Bible dedicates a lot of chapters to in the form of history, the mm-hmm. the movement of kings and and other people in significant positions of power. It was if it was worth passing down to us in, in God's word, I think it's worth knowing what the equivalent um, goings on are of of our age, mm. and 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 Christians may end up being involved in it, um, but the concept of getting involved, meaning becoming an MP, where you, by definition, essentially have to just become the mouthpiece for um, all of the ills of the of the modern age, I I find very difficult to justify. I don't think that was that little rant wasn't really connected with the question you just asked. <laughs> I'm so sorry, <laughs> but it, it 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 is it is it is interesting though because that's 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 the the challenge, isn't it? Because if you let's say take you know Christian maybe going into into politics, I think you have to believe in the system in mm, order to right. do that. And I think where I for me personally where I'd be now is that actually i don't really believe in the system like i i used to which which puts you in a slightly different place mm. and it's one that you have to always tread carefully because there's the pitfall of you know oh yes we're now 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 kind of i've got this sussed you know i'm kind of i'm sorted here i've got i've, i can see yeah. this now why can't you see it kind of thing that's that pitfall which is a very obvious one yeah but but I think also it, it, the, on on the other side of it, it, it says it's, it's actually well, um, it allows us a greater clarity on how we should live for Christ, how we should live as Christians, how we should be living as aliens and strangers in this world, effectively mm-hmm. holding out the words of life to 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 a world that's broken and and needs desperately to to hear the gospel and i think i think there is a tremendous clarity and blessing to be gained with that mm. um but yeah does that does that make sense it's like yeah well as, so as a practical example 
I help out with the youth work at church and I went to a big gathering of young people from lots of churches and they had a whole segment where somebody was explaining to them about their involvement in campaigning for some sort of green issue and they were saying about going along and holding holding up signs and protesting about this that or the other and the kind of the message out at the end of it was that you know you can glorify god by doing things that you're passionate about um and you could see a young person who puts lots of time and effort into this thinking it was a good thing for them to do and uh, somebody who I would consider to be older and uh, less naive would look at that and say that they've probably caused harm. <laughs> at least they've done nothing useful with, with all of that time and effort. Mm. And it's just poor stewardship of our resources. Um, and, and that's entirely comes about from a lack of proper investigation in, into the world. So the, yeah. it's not an abstract concept. Mm. Um, on, on the flip side, something that I think is very worth putting your time and effort into would be doing something practical and hands-on for somebody you know personally, like somebody in yes. your local church who's yes. actually in need. Yeah. You could yeah. put the exact same amount of time and effort into that as you had done, you know, drawing up some carbon neutral by <laughs> 2030 poster and parading it around in the streets. <laughs> but but somebody's actually benefited from it. So, um, yeah, the I, I don't think you can, I don't think you should brush away as, and not not that you are, but but I think um, there's there's lots of people I think who are Christians in churches who have not maybe made the same kind of uh, journey of <laughs> distrust maybe um, that that we have just because they're they they consider it to be an intellectual pastime and they've got no interest in it. They don't, maybe very understandably they're busy and they, they don't want to, um, or, or they feel uncomfortable pushing in and questioning things. Um, so I guess I just wanted to, to justify that the, the importance and significance, um, of the dissident perspective for a Christian and that the New Testament has a dissident, like the, the Christians of the early church had a dissident perspective with relationship to their authorities. Mm. Um, even if you, even if you're a really enthusiastic um, post-millennial and you think that the world will culminate in the, um, Christian rulership of the face of the earth. I think we can all agree we're not there yet. So, um, you know, I, I, I don't, I can't think of any um, countries on the planet that you could, that, that you could really investigate for more than five minutes before concluding that they aren't really run by Christians who you can wholeheartedly <laughs> put your trust in. And so, so then, 
surely it ought to be a significant part of your um, calculation as you grow into adulthood, how you're going to deal with your relationship to a, a, a you know an authority that is assumed fleshly and hostile to you as a Christian. And it's just not a conversation, I think, that pe people have, have been having for the last, not, not nearly enough for the last, um, say, 20, 30 years. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, think, I think you're absolutely right. I think one of the things that I found encouraging in watching your channel, though, is that um, I suspect you're fairly significantly younger than me and um, quite a few of the people that you talk with on your channel are as well and I find that a real encouragement that um, you know younger people are questioning and mm. are um, you know taking their faith really seriously and um, and so that's been an encouragement mm. to me and thinking about what you said about about your youth group um, you know I think that that's really critical and and Tim and I both have teenage children and and mm. we know that for them um trying to develop in them critical thinking and trying to help them to grow in their faith and to um you know really develop a love for God's word and um you know these things are so important when they're being bombarded everywhere else with you know all the stuff about uh you know the climate crisis and goodness knows what else um mm. you know it's a it's a real challenge and and that's what we would want the churches to be doing with our young people and too often we don't see that i think you can detect in your in your church and in the the elders even if they never talk on it explicitly you can detect whether they have a generally um affirming trusting um, if they they have a position with respect to their authorities that is, um, we generally and, and the culture around us we, we generally agree with and affirm the world as it is, and or do we consider ourselves in a battle against the culture around us? And I I can't help feeling like. Well, so if you, for example, if you go on YouTube and just watch random sermons from random churches and you stumble across some, especially some churches in America, you find that the, it's, it almost goes too far the other way where it's, yeah. you almost feel like, okay, you're, you're addressing a congregation you're not at a political rally where you're trying to over there. So I, I can imagine an, an opposite world where I would be on the more moderate side. But um, <laughs> it's inter interesting that I think girls generally are, are more agreeable and want to feel like everything is in harmony and that they're fitting in. And whilst churches have been giving a a straightforward message of the culture embraces love and the church is just the true expression of love. For example, this, this is often the, the way that the gospel is presented, right? That, um, the, the secular culture wants to forgive, 
but true forgiveness is only possible with the blood of, of Jesus and all these kinds of approaches. And I, I think that is appealing more so to girls than to boys. Um, so a more dissident church may actually end up with the opposite problem, weirdly enough, where um, if every Sunday you're coming along and the pastor is saying how um, disconnected we are from polite society, that's going to become quite appealing to the boys, you know, little boys growing up, wanting to be warriors, wanting to be men who are going to stand up and be counted and be rebels for their generation. They'll be like, ah, Christianity is the cool thing. I'm, I want to be part of this movement. Whereas the girls, then may, maybe it'll be the opposite problem. And they'll say, actually, I'm out. This, um, <laughs> this putting my, you know, um, putting my friends out of joint because I'm saying things that displeases them is, is maybe less appealing there. Um, and again, I don't, I don't, I hope that doesn't come across as, um, a criticism of the, of the feminine instinct. It was, it was more just a, a kind of, I was, I'm still pondering your, what you, um, what Helen, you raised earlier about the fact that church is, in general tend to be more more dominated by women than men and i i think that is part of it that that men don't like to supplicate <laughs> and grovel and bow to an authority that um that they don't really believe in and when they see churches seeming to do that then they um Maybe they find that a little intolerable. I mean, I, I also would say there's probably um, lots of very inexcusable and sinful reasons that men have left churches. So it's, it's easy to try to excuse that and um, and cover it up. Um, it's, ultimately, it is everybody's individual responsibility to first of all get right with God and then to obey him. And it doesn't matter <laughs> how much you don't like the flowers at the front of the church. Yeah. You know, if you've recognized your sin and asked for forgiveness for that, um, and and then read your Bible, you should be going to a church. And if if the men aren't doing that, then um I don't want to give them a whole bunch of coddling and excuses so, so much as kind of call them to accounts and and again if if we if we're going to see um a spiritual regeneration of the men of the country i don't think that's going to come about through um focus groups and testing and changing of superficial things it does just have to come about through the work of of the holy spirit um and and yeah. i think that is the as much as I ever will talk about politics and what what's wrong with the world, I want to re-emphasize that that is the that that is the wellspring of um, of what could be a real improvement to all the woes that that people like to complain about about how how the world is going downhill. 
It's going yeah. downhill because people fail to worship God, as in Romans one. Yeah, I mean we we've touched we've not I don't think we've broached the subject fully, have we, Helen? But we we've we've hinted at it a number of times through through various um, various episodes about male leadership in church and the erosion of that and i think that really does um mm. feed in to 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 what to what you're saying luke mm. um and and i suppose we could go down that that kind of rabbit hole of of um feminism and and how that's you know infiltrated but but maybe we maybe we'll touch a bit more of that but can i can i ask you a bit about your church background yeah. your current church background if, Sure. Obviously, what you're happy sharing. Yeah, yeah. But um, so I um, grew up in a Baptist church. I um, asked to be baptised um, before the age of ten. I was told that I had oh, wow. to wait till I was thirteen, um, <laughs> as a good Baptist church w- would tend to do. Because after all, you you know you want to be sure that the person being baptised has a credible profession of faith and mm. um i don't know i don't know what age um i don't know that a, a blanket rule of a certain age is necessary but that's uh, that's understandable from a baptist perspective <laughs> um and then yeah i went to baptist churches at uni and for most of the time since then i've briefly gone to other i've i've tried more charismatic churches I've tried Anglican churches and, um, you know, popped into to all kinds of other places. Um, but I guess one way or another, it's it's been Baptist all the way. I think I always... Um, That'd make a good car sticker, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I think Baptist that's a, from Baptist yes. all the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, as a as an interesting side comment uh, on denominations, I, I think the view of Baptists, which is very focused on the individual, you know, every person, regardless of what your parents have done regardless of the church that you go to has to have um their own salvation journey where they go from i mean we think of all the passages in in scripture that talk about you know the the acts of the sinful nature are clear it's sexual immorality and orgies and descent and brawls and 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 this is what you some of you were like but now you have so it's kind of an expectation that everybody has this um complete life transformation at some point in their in their life and um and there's not really an expectation at least not a stated expectation that a child of Christian parents will necessarily become a Christian themselves, which uh, on a literal like binary level, I agree with, there is no expectation. There's no certainty that your children will become Christians. Um, uh, However, I, I think there is probably so, for example, the um, qualifications for being an elder is that your 
children are well behaved, right? Um, The children aren't independent of their parents. And and although salvation is not guaranteed for them, I think there is... um, there is a pattern in, in this kind of wisdom literature, proverbsy way, whereby you would expect your children to become Christians. Um, but that's that I think is very heavily de-emphasized in um, in the Baptist view of things, and that, in my mind, has has strongly is strongly linked to quite an individualist libertarian um, view of everything in life. So I, I was until fairly recently quite libertarian actually in my politics and my view of lots of things in life where I would say, uh, everybody should just, it's laissez-faire, you do your own thing and uh, everybody everybody just lives their own independent lives. Um, So in having come to a little bit of a different view of the rest of the world, where I I am, um, I guess, slightly less of a libertarian now, (laughs) it's funny, I'm starting to see my Baptist views with a little bit more of an outsider perspective, you know, like if you've ever traveled abroad and then you come back to England and you suddenly notice all sorts of things that are unique about the country that you've not, not seen before. And I feel a bit like both through the process, I guess, of talking to lots of people um, online who have very different perspectives, um, but also just coming to have a, a, yeah, a broader understanding of the way that people think outside of the community that I grew up in. And you do, you do see how the um, Baptist churches have, I feel like quite a, they have a, a little bit of a, an American and a slight, if I'm being critical, like a slightly corporatist, almost like it's a, um, you know, it's very, it fits in and it's modern and, um, I'm. It's very easy to be critical of churches, so I, <laughs> I maybe I have fallen into that trap. But um, uh, yeah, I, I am intending on sticking around in in Baptist churches. Um, but I feel like I'm starting to maybe unpack some of the. Uh, I, I'll give you another example. Um, Sorry, I, I realise this. Uh, this has <laughs> become a bit of a diversion. You and no, you that's me, fine. We sure, sure, we're happy. <laughs> yeah, no, we're happy with with that. That's that's all good. So you know the way that um, in Baptist churches you have church meetings and the elders will bring you suggestions. Oh, why don't we do this? But we're not going to do anything unless you all vote for it, and then they, they, everybody has to vote, um, which is a kind again a kind of expression of. I think the fact it, it's not that the congregation brings their ideas to the elders and then the elders vote on them and, and can pick which, which things to do. The kind of final authority is seen as being with the congregation, which is similar to how the, the final authority in a democracy is seen as being with the, the demos, the people. And 
I I don't think that is the I don't think that is the reality. Fundamentally, <laughs> the elders will be able to pass almost anything that they want, right? They, if they propose something, um, and all they need to do is get, a, as I say, 60, 70% of the people to say yes, um, the reality is that the elders are still very much in control, but symbolically, I think it is a bit deceptive. So this is another example of how I've become a little bit uncomfortable with the way, I mean, it always seemed like a farce to me in church meetings. <laughs> they say everyone in favor of passing the new budget, like, like somebody is going to... By passing the new, the, 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 in favor of the new vase. For yeah, example. right, exactly. Because Baptist yeah. churches, we, we love a good meeting. Yeah, uh, we all yeah we're we're just letting you know that at the next church meeting we're going to be voting on the color of the bike sheds. So yes, <laughs> make sure you go away and pray about that. <laughs> and I I think that is another slight subversion of the submission that we as Christians should have to authorities. Um, there's a, there's a discomfort with the submission of wives to husbands. I'm sure you could also find a, um, ways in which the church gets in between parents and their children, where they encourage their children to basically be independent. Um, and and we, we discourage the church members from properly submitting to the elders who are meant to be over them spiritually. Um, but, but then we massively overemphasize how um, how significant are, is the authority of the um, of the kind of broad cultural consensus that we we want to be um, winsome. We want we want to make sure that um, we are perceived as being good people by a standard that we don't approve of when in fact Christians are supposed to stand out like salt or like, um, you know, like light. Yeah. And by trying to fit in, we're putting our light under a lamp stand. We're, we're losing the saltiness of, of our distinctive beliefs <laughs> and, and, and actually making the gospel more difficult to hear because people people's um, sense of offense at, at hearing the gospel is sometimes what pricks their ears up to it in the first place. So, yes. Yeah, quite. Yeah. 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 yeah that is, that so is yes, I'm a, Baptist. I'm a Baptist, but not a, um, uh, not an uncritical one, maybe. Yeah. Well, I, I can, I can fully sympathize with that because um, I, I grew up in a Baptist church and my dad mm -hmm. was a Baptist minister and I've been until very recently on uh, on, on the leadership of a Baptist church, so so I can fully appreciate what you're saying there. Did did you feel you could use the uh, facade of church votes to pull sneaky tricks on the congregation? Um, no, no. It, uh, yeah, I, the situation I I was in was was actually actually very 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 different because um, okay. yeah, I mean we were in a situation where essentially the church was being being run by the trustees rather. Than, oh. Um, 
the elders and yeah it's a, it's a long story which is not going to be told on a podcast but it's yeah okay, it, sure. it, it, it's been interesting should we put it uh, that's one word i could use um <laughs> in, uh, education would be another there's other words I well, that, use, that, that sounds like another perfect example of how a Christian does need to follow the true politics that is happening and, and really get to the bottom of who has power and are they the people who ought to have power? And <laughs> if Well, I, I think actually what, what, what it what it does is I mean, you know, Baptists love to talk about the priesthood of all believers, don't they? When when well, it comes right. when it comes when it comes to um the 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 collected members voting together and deciding on on what happens in the church but the reality is that unless you are um putting a a resolution which is which is heresy it's it's very <laughs> unlikely not to be voted for yeah and and what it actually what it actually lifts a lid on in, in my view is that for a lot of people in in the church, as lovely and well-meaning as they are, are not really fully engaged with what is happening. Hmm. And, it's probably an understatement. And and <laughs> want and they they just just want to we just want to get by. We just want to you know be be a nice group of people. And the and the danger is that what you end end up with sometimes is is like a community center yeah and yeah i want to kind of avoid going down the trajectory of kind of <laughs> being being critical but the, these are kind of observations that that have i've picked up o o over over the years and and when you put mm. that with was certainly what's happened over the last three years, but you can go back further than that, of course, for the last you know 20, 30, 40 years, but certainly, let's just say the last three years, much much of the church was asleep to what's what's happening. So yeah. so when we when we closed the churches, yeah. everybody was everybody was said, yeah, we should close the churches. Yeah. And and when and when they said, oh, you've got to, you know, wear a face mask to come in church, says, yeah, everybody should wear a face mask. Yeah. You know? yeah. And yeah. What was happening was that the church was becoming a um, a tool of of a government health policy, right? Yeah, and yeah, what wasn't happening was the priesthood of all believers saying, "Hold on a sec, um, what's what's happening here? Is this mm. is this biblical? Is this right? How do how do we how do we um, how do we actually?" apply our faith here and live it out mm. in a way that actually marks us as different from those in the world and those conversations didn't happen i think you know as a general generalization because i know that there are some churches it did but generally speaking it didn't well when, once the restrictions lifted people kept on wearing the masks which means mm. that they didn't just wear them because they were observing a Dutiful, their, their view of submission to, to the authorities that is necessary, but they they really bought into the whole thing, and um, I'm, yeah, the, the whole unpicking of COVID. The, there was a, a lot of you could you could construct a whole load of little litmus tests where you could quite clearly say 
Um, this this litmus test says something is wrong with your worldview or your theology or you're a coward or something. And now the some some of those would apply to the congregation, and I don't don't think I, d I don't think people are excused just because of bad leadership. But th the people who are in charge of the churches, I mean, if you're a, if you're a busy if, if you're a parent and you've you've you're working your job and then you're doing zillion other things, maybe you, maybe you haven't you you've been taken aback by what's happened you haven't had time to process it and think it through yeah yeah if your entire job and role in life is leading a church and suddenly this thing comes through like a bulldozer you need to drop everything <laughs> and figure out what's happening and yeah. make yeah. sure that you're acting correctly and appropriately and a, an awful lot of time went past and pastors were still making what I consider to be inexcusable decisions. I think part, partly what happened was this thing where if you make an initial decision, you then are bought in and you you double down because you, you otherwise it's difficult to face the, the idea that you've made a mistake in the past, especially publicly. So hmm. um, people really... Um, I, I think we're caught flat-footed initially. You know, I, I, I don't think I made all of the perfectly correct calls. I, I think I saw what was going on way quicker than most. But um, I don't know. I, I, I was asking why are we not setting up meetings out outdoors? For yeah. why, why do we not? Why do we not find a field somewhere? I don't care mm -hmm. that it's the middle of winter. And I was told someone in church staff is actually looking into it. They're going to organize that. And so I said, okay. And and I didn't do anything more with it. It never happened. Um, that was probably my bad for stopping, I guess. But that, that's a significant like loss of trust in, in my books um, that that didn't happen. What could be a higher priority than finding a way to follow the clear scriptural instructions for meeting together um especially when there becomes a possible legal way of of doing it i mean i actually think it would have been right to break the law to continue to meet together um so if i was a pastor and i probably and i had the the courage and clarity that would have been my approach but i can reasonably understand people saying it's been made impossible legally so we won't do it but then the second that it it becomes possible uh, just symbolically there's there's no more important thing to do than as quickly as possible to send the signal out to the congregation that um it's really important that we have church on a sunday and so the fact that the leaders weren't doing that means that the congregation very understandably imbibes teaching is you're not just led by your elders through the pulpit it's also the other decisions that they're making and i think the yeah the teaching yeah. that the elders have given in this country uh, you know through 2020 and 2021 um ha has been 
horrifying, really. Mm. Yeah. Don't you think when you when you were just saying about that, Luke, that um, even if they had thought, right, this is what we have to do because we mm. need to keep within the law, they mm. could they were perfectly free to say, but we believe this is wrong. True. And as soon yeah. as we can, as soon as within the law yeah. we can not do this, we mm. will be. But that wasn't. Yeah, and and people were doubling down on. Um, it's very understandable that everybody's scared, everybody's afraid. You know that's totally fine. Um, <laughs> of all people, I actually I actually went back and looked at some of the sermons that people preached um, right at the beginning of 2020, um, and Mark Driscoll of all people <laughs> preached <laughs> about how there was a spirit of fear that we as Christians were not to fall back into. And I thought that's exactly the message that every pulpit should have been ringing with at that yeah. time. Um, and I've, you know, his case is complicated by the fact that he probably, um, you know, I, I, I've looked into it a little bit and I don't think, um, I don't think I can straightforwardly say he was wrongly removed from his position um because i think there was some truth to the accusations um but certainly he was in many ways a voice for um true things that the church needed to hear while he was big and a lot of the reason that he was toppled so <laughs> gleefully was exactly for the for the truth that he was bringing um so yes i i thought that was interesting that um i'm not i'm i'm not mm. signing myself up as a yeah. as a defender of everything driscoll's ever said or done but uh i thought on that one on that particular at that moment uh, he was the person who i thought was the the most bang on the money it's it's interesting you mention him actually because he he um he was he, he was made a bit of a full guy, wasn't he? And and yes, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know all the ins and outs of of why of what led fully to to him being removed. But what has struck me is is pretty much the same thing, which he was he was saying a lot of stuff which the church needed to hear. Mm. So it wasn't surprising in many ways that he was taken out of the picture. But then mm. there's a bit of kind of almost feels like historical revisionism going on and and he's lumped with other people who have done you know far more heinous things you could argue and it's like hold on a sec it's not quite it's not quite the same thing mm. um but yeah um in, what what do you think or do you think there is there is and let me rephrase this what do you think should be done about the kind of the the, the woke progressive influence that that we see in in the church in the uk and, and when i say this it's a generalization yeah. <laughs> obviously so yeah. i know there aren't there are churches who where that isn't a thing but what yeah what what what, what do you think we could do to deal with that yeah it's a very interesting question um so i guess the the f implicitly in your question, there's an actor. <laughs> what's what's to be done about this? It implies who who's who's the one who's who's doing the the thing. And 
I think that I don't want to fall into the trap of making the vague um, and unhelpful or they should do something about this. This is bad. <laughs> Just waving it away as like that, that almost again is the buying into the system, the kind mm. of there's, there's an authority who agrees with me and is just incompetent. And if I give my advice out into the world, then perhaps <laughs> things will be fixed. Um, so, so the first thing is that I guess the people um, who listen to this probably based on the, you know, the topics you've covered before and, and maybe, you know, my, my audience as well, at least have identified several of the things that woke and progressive people believe and have identified it as um, as incorrect and harmful. Um, and so I suppose for, for us who are not, I guess, in positions of power, we need to figure out how we are going to act in our churches just just on the ground like how are we how mm. should we behave with regards to that mm. um which isn't going to fix the problem i don't think but but will at least is at least something worth getting to the bottom of and it it, it is important that we um put aside disputes to share in our common joy in the faith even with people who we strongly disagree with even with people who we think might be hurting the world so on an interpersonal level i think we need to um we need to be willing to love our fellow believers who are woke and progressive um in a way that i actually don't think we would <laughs> receive in response necessarily um <laughs> there's uh, well at least where i live um the people who hold woke or progressive opinions are not aware that there are people who disagree with them <laughs> in the church Is, oh right okay <laughs> like yeah, the, that's they, interesting they've probably they've probably just become so used to hearing their opinions echoed to them from every reputable source and not hearing pushback in social settings or from the pulpit or from any like from the BBC or anywhere else. And if they have occasionally heard pushback, I, I think it would have been done <laughs> with a certain timidity and gentleness. So it hasn't. Um, yeah. It, it, I, I just think there's a, there's an enormous degree of reality distortion in the minds of woke and progressive people. Maybe that's that's probably not true in more rural parts of the country. So I guess I'm talking about cities more so. Um, how do how do you how do you work with that though? How how I mean because is is there is there a question of genuine faith? In other words is this person a genuine believer? Right, right. Um, I, I, there's a, I think there's a mixture. I, I, I think that it is possible to be a genuine believer and to be incredibly misled on a whole whole bunch of things. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also possible to hold woke and progressive opinions more tightly than you hold your belief in Jesus. As in, I, I think um, it could easily be a an idol or a love for for many of these people, um, and especially when the church is reasonably welcoming and friendly to woke and progressive people i'd say much much more so than people who disagree with them as as much as you know as much as evangelical churches will talk a good game about welcoming everybody um i've never heard a a sermon which is intending to reach out to like white supremacists <laughs> it's like <laughs> or or you know, or it could just be people who who you know question the climate alarmist narrative <laughs> yeah you know, if, if there is a, a, a but like, name but for those you know we'd want there's this thing of um uh subversive fulfillment in evangelism right where you take something that the world is saying and then you um you show you 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 say we don't actually believe the same thing as you but let us show you how Christianity is the better fulfillment of that. And churches have got very good at doing that with um, with woke and progressive positions. You know, oh, you but, think but, you're going to work? Go does on. that work, though? Does it, does it, does it, is that not the result of a, a softening of doctrine, a kind of easing off the pedal because what strikes me you know when when, when, you know Paul's writing to Timothy or Paul's writing to Titus he's saying Mm. like you know and and instruct people you know instruct um, uh, you know churches there to do to do everything just as I as I have taught you you know there's there's a kind of there's a there's an easily missed emphasis on detail Mm -hmm. and it comes back to what you're saying earlier about about Jesus you know and, and the radical nature of who he is you know he's mm-hmm. he's 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 both wonderfully inclusive and wonderfully exclusive at the same time and and it's it, it do, you, do you know what I mean I'm I'm not it's not it's yeah. a genuine question so no it, it's tricky um another another interesting one which we actually talked on on the last stream or uh, maybe maybe the week before was um on following the the particular religious observances the new moons and the sabbaths and the um uh you know all the, all these celebrations that were considered by some believers in the early church to be essential as part of their worship of God and others saw that they were just a symbol pointing forwards to the reality that was in Christ. And so then then they stopped Mm -hmm. observing them. Um, So there is a, there is a broad freedom in the form of expression within Christianity where, where the advice from Paul is that you shouldn't like, don't let anyone (laughs) <laughs> don't let anyone accuse you or judge you because they think that you should be following this mm-hmm. this or that um you know don't have special seats of honor for some people to go and sit in don't so i, I it, it's 
kind of it is correct for churches, I think, to have um, a suspicion of trying to uh, to rigidly encode religious observance yeah. in a way that could become uh, a false religiosity, and mm-hmm. uh, and I, I see how that becomes a weakness and and my you know orthodox <laughs> friends online or my catholic friends online would go into a protestant church and see all of the influences of the culture and see that as being an explanation for the theological slip <laughs> i kind of i kind of want to say um yeah i don't know how quite how to interpret like do every do everything as paul showed um maybe it's the chesterton fence idea that if there's you, you know this principle like if if there's I a i don't know that one though so do do share it so yeah it's a good one um if there's a a wall or a fence or something that that you encounter suppose you inherit some land and you you go and look at it and there's a there's a wall um you don't know why the wall is there so chesterton's wisdom in this situation is that you leave it there rather than tearing it down that you don't know why it was built but somebody built it and they had a good reason for it and if you don't understand the reason you nonetheless maintain the, you, unless you have a, a, a really good reason to knock it down, you don't just arbitrarily flatten everything, which I think is a warning against um, unnecessary generational in, innovation. Like so, Sometimes the things that we inherit from the people who taught us um, carry, the, they carry with them wisdom that we don't understand and it would be sensible to just kind of keep the things while they're working, even if we can't justify every every single one of them. Um, yeah. So, so yeah. yeah. Your your original um, point was that the um, you, you would. Am I right? You were justifying that the. Um, Closeness of so the influence of woke on churches was an erosion of um, uh, of kind of close, studious biblical reading and implementation. Is that fair? Uh, yeah, you could, yeah, you could put it like that. Yeah, so a, 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 a product of you know theological um, like just being lax about it, I suppose, and and being very loose with it, perhaps than you we would normally have been. So, yeah, to use that example like taking the wall down a little bit, or <laughs> yeah, so, not maintaining so it. I, I think I'd have to see kind of the specific issue where um, a woke ideal was in conflict with a scriptural ideal, and and then I'm you know, of course, you always pick the the scriptural ideal, um, but it's when a woke um sensibility is appealed to in an act 17 way that i think is justifiable so if if you for example you know paul paul goes around and says oh i see that you are a religious people um 
and now that's my <laughs> that's my bridge <laughs> that I've built to you. Yep. And in this in the same way, I, I think it's very understandable. If I was talking to some of my colleagues at work who are fully signed up to um the kind of all that matters is love. Yeah. Which is just kind of the maybe the origin of the justification for some of the new um sexuality stuff right it's um we are we are being loving and caring and so then it's kind of understandable that you then go well look at how jesus healed the you know healed the poor you know he was prepared to go and hang out with the people who were the rejects of society you know we love in 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 our secular culture that we live in, we love lifting up the minorities and the people who were pushed aside. And here's Jesus spending time with the sinners and the Pharisees are criticizing him. Um, so can you see how there's a bridge? And then you say, okay, but but why is it a good thing to care for a person who's otherwise been shunned by society? Well, as Christians, we'd say that's because that person reflects God's nature and is, you know, has divine significance in themselves, even though they're not of economic value to you, they nonetheless have great value to God. And then the person who's got that woke or progressive instinct says, oh, wow, I'm kind of my eyes, are, I'm seeing the thing I already love in new technicolor, because it turns out that uh, Christianity is the true source of of this thing I already believe. And now I'm going to go and learn more about Jesus. And I, that's really, that's great and very effective, but there's loads of people in our society. And this, this is the kind of people who are, um, who I'm managing to reach who <laughs> hate all of that stuff. Like that, you know, they're not Christians and they also hate the LGBT agenda and they, they dislike the like, um, you know, they're suspicious of immigration and they're suspicious of the NHS and they, they, they don't like the WHO and they, and they go into a church and the church is busy regurgitating to them the things that they already dislike mm. <laughs> and then yeah. explaining to yeah. them how Jesus is the same thing. <laughs> so they're, they're completely turned off from it. Whereas if you yeah. say that, you know, you've seen your family ripped apart by the suffering that's been caused by an unwise embrace of a, you know, a ridiculous new view of human uh, gender and sexuality, you've seen the suffering that this causes, and this is predicted by the Bible, mm -hmm. and indeed... The, the source of it isn't even the messed up view of sexuality. The source is deeper and now I can explain it to you. And also I have a solution. And suddenly what was previously a presentation of Christianity that was completely horrifying <laughs> and turned them away becomes something that's like speaking their language. So it's like a, it's a whole, it's like 50% of society that the church has just considered to be well. So, for example, I went to a you know an equip session on transgenderism mm -hmm. at church, and the entire focus was about how can we be welcoming 
to a transgender person and then you know it's a conservative church they weren't affirming the transgender identity but they were saying without agreeing with it here's how we can carefully and lovingly engage with that person and win them for christ um but what has not been addressed is how can you reach out to your friend or colleague who's horrified by what's going on with the mutilation of children Mm. and how can the church be a bulwark against this and speak sense into the situation and actually why is it that the the picture that god has painted for human existence is is more right and more beautiful and therefore maybe if you want to find deep truth and wisdom you should go and read the bible and uh, that that's a whole there's there's many more people who are against transgenderism than there are transgender individuals and i'd also argue that people who've gone as far in their rebellion against god as mutilating their own bodies are maybe less likely to turn to god than the people who fundamentally are um in instinctively in support of the the right order of god's creation as he made it um so i is 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 this because is this because though that as a as a church we um instinctively i think as 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 people um but but as a church go for the easy option Mm, so, so the so the easy option is to is to have that equip session, which will have maybe some good things in it, but mm. it's the it's the easier option. What's the harder option is to be is to be saying, look, we're going to be straight down the line about what's what's right and what's wrong, so that everybody who is in the church, which by the way is the body of Christ. So we're talking about the people in the body, not out the body. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we're talking about believers only here are clear about what, what the Bible says about male and female mm-hmm. um, are clear about what the Bible says about human sexuality. So we're all on the same page here. We're all starting on the same point. We're all agreed on that. We're agreed what Jesus says. Um, and then it's from that point that you then say, okay, right. So if somebody does come into church who um, is, a man but actually wants to be a woman or could be a gay couple or something like that we can yeah we can welcome him into church but we're welcoming him into church in knowing the parameters the framework with which it, we are operating in and and that's that's not easy but if we're going to see actual gospel transformation if we're going to see god move in people's lives because he talks about you know jesus earlier when he um would go and you know hang out with all sorts of different people but he never shied away from mm. talking about sin mm-hmm. he would always he would always bring that up wouldn't he and it, it was and it's like yes jesus did hang out with the the lepers and and the the prostitute and the 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 people who were shunned by other other members of the society but he mm. he actually nailed the very thing that was most important which wasn't their ailment it was their relationship mm. with god yeah. and i i think that We've got ourselves into a muddle in church. We, we, generally speaking, we, we, we want desperately to be liked by the world. 
Mm. We want to be loved. We want to be affirmed. And 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 going back to our conversation about COVID, that's why I think it was we we rolled over backwards. You know, yes, Boris, tell us more. Do you want us to hand our Bibles in, Boris? Because they're all here if you want them. You know, I mean, li- <laughs> right. literally, I think we would have done that if he'd yeah, said that. And yeah. um, it's but crazy. It's, it's probably only a few years before there's um, legislation that means. That we have to censor our Bibles. Oh yeah, I, I think I think you're totally, you're totally right. I think I think that that one is going to catch us massively by surprise. And I then really all of the all of the instincts and I mean, I, in a way, I think it has been very helpful. The experience of COVID, um, it, it, in a way, it's a test that many of the churches have failed. But I see a lot of people who've who are doing the retrospectives now and figuring out the mistakes that were made and learning lessons. Not everybody, but th- there is a sizable minority of of the Christians who are learning lessons, and I I do wonder if God has use 2020 as um, as a training you, you know god purifies us and prepares us for the work that he needs us to do and in a sense the next test the next event may be much more important and and even though we didn't <laughs> represent ourselves that well last time as a as a body as a collective actually think enough people have become serious about this that we are in better stead and and maybe god's actually equipping us for for facing something that's down the pike um do you you think luke I, i mean i think you're right and i think um that's highly likely um just thinking about something you said uh, a while ago um, about, I think you said you and probably us as well find um, in our own churches that it it can be quite hard to talk about the things that we talk quite freely about o- online in these these mm. um, in these ways, um, and and the difficulty for many of us is that we find ourselves on our own. Mm. Well, there's one or two of us, you know, mm-hmm. physically online. It's great yeah. when we can all get together, but mm, where right. we are physically in yeah. our churches, sometimes we're on our own, or there may be only a, one other person that we know, um, and that's quite quite hard. Mm. Um, and I, I, I'm not sure what what the answer is there, and and maybe you've got thoughts on that with the, you know, the community that you're a part of online, mm. mm-hmm. um, but it definitely feels like. We need to be ready for the next time, um, and we've definitely had a, a, a training ground that we've been through the last few years. Mm. But it's quite hard feeling mm. ready when you feel like you're on your own, or there's only one or two of you. Definitely, I think there are probably more people who think alike than we are aware of. Um, I think we all we all know the script that we have to say 
in polite society, right? That um, <laughs> we've all been at the dinner parties where we've been asked an awkward question and kind of danced our way through. Do you recycle? Quite, yeah, yeah. Not not quite lying, but but sort of uh, maybe giving a slightly different impression of your general attitude to the subject under discussion than what than what your like raw unvarnished views are. Have you had your uh, booster, Luke? Proud to say I I didn't have any of the vaccinations. Um, that's one of the mistakes I didn't make, happily. Um, but but if we hear somebody else who also knows the script, we maybe write them off and think that actually that person is... You know, that person would be horrified to find out my opinion. But actually, over time, or even just at that time, but they were a little bit like in disguise, they maybe agreed with us. So I, I kind of think one. So w- one of the things that I would probably have done more in 2020 is actively find the people who are my allies. You know, in the fight, as it were. Mm. Um, and even, you know, I know of a, as you say, one or two people in person who are kind of thinking along the same lines, but I think there's probably enough other people who are quietly on the fence, who I haven't detected, who in a time of need would, would be on the right side of things. So uh, I, I can see, I, I I think it's a dangerous, I, I wouldn't want to encourage people to create cliques within their church of the quote unquote true believers, you know, the, the ali- politically <laughs> aligned people. I, I hope that in my friendships at church, that I am as genuinely caring and friendly towards people who um who I disagree with on most things but just as a as a person I can nonetheless be like completely welcoming to them into my life um but yes when push comes to shove and I need to you know if I need to say to the elders look I I am prepared to leave the church unless X, Y, Z. And actually, to reinforce this, I might have a few other people who think the same way as me and, and we, you know, go together and, and say this, then um, you know, at the at the moment of action, I think you might find more friends than you expect. Um, but yes, it is it is hard. I I guess it's hard in the sense that we have all grown up um in the, i think with a little bit of a feeling that the well maybe i shouldn't speak for you i i guess i i kind of i never expected it to feel so real that the church would be um a place that could be completely distrusted and subverted and and that I would be considering uh, 
um, emergency situations in the way that I am. But in the in the fact that 2020 has already happened and essentially was that situation and um, very easily could have just carried on going in that direction and getting worse. Um, it's it's not idle talk or fantasy to to be to be thinking in the, in this way. Um, so yes, the online communities I think are. That was your original question. I think was um, was partly about the difference between yes, we we can find these people on the internet who who we agree with, but um, you I don't think. But partly the the whole calculation in twenty twenty was is an online church service sufficient? And I, I think it's not. We, we've, <laughs> I work in technology. We can, we can do amazing things, but we've, we have not got technology that replicates um, the world that God has given us in a personal and face-to-face interaction. Um, and and it's not wise either. The the kinds of conversations that I have online are very different from the types of conversations that I have in in person. Mm. And mm. if you see your pastor potentially like in the supermarket driving his car around, that tells you know how he acts with his children. Um, those are all things that are impossible um, with a if, if you had some online church. You know, the, the people who listen to this podcast or watch my YouTube channel, I hope that they don't substitute going to a local church with this kind of alternative form yeah. of Christian input because there's so many things about the way God's designed us that needs real in-person believers in community. So... Yeah, if if I was in a country which which I had no um, community of believers to be with, then I'd consider that to be um, an unsustainable position. I could maybe do it as a missionary briefly, with you know repeated trips back to to home base and recharge the spiritual batteries. But it would be very unwise to just live in a an entirely you know, I, I'd look to get out of, if you were, if you were living in the Soviet union and you were having to do some underground church or like in, in China or wherever, um, I'd try to leave the country basically. So yes, if, if England at some point becomes a place where Christianity is so heavily persecuted that the only believers that I could have as friends were not real believers, then I'd, I'd flee. <laughs> I'd try mm-hmm. to find somewhere else to be with, with other people. But, yeah. um, but yes, I, I don't think we're there yet. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, I think there is it. I think now's a good time, I think, to be putting down roots, um, mm-hmm. certainly building community um, with yeah. people in, in the flesh, so to speak. I think that's really, really important. Um, yeah. And yeah, I think it's it's so vital. So it's obviously be be part be part of a church of a, a body of believers that that meets that meets regularly. Um, mm. It is a, it's a maybe, key thing. Maybe it's also worth as a kind of 
healthy immune system for churches. If you're part of a church, then you can think of little probing questions that you could put out in a in a subtle way <laughs> to start getting people thinking things through, even though you don't want to be starting arguments. And I wouldn't, I would, yeah, again, I wouldn't want to be causing disputes. Um, but you can, it's, it's, it's valuable to be having deeper conversations. Um, it's a, it's a real difficult thing to do well. And, and I think it's, it's understandable. Um, you know, I, I guess I'm still, I'm, I guess I'm still relatively young, but at least I can see how I've matured a bit over the last 10 years in my capacity to have sensitive conversations. Well, um, yeah, it, it, it is. It certainly is, is hard. I mean, for Helen and myself, we've, we've, I mean, that's part of the reason why we started our, our podcast, um, uh -huh. was it a couple of years ago now, something like that. And be, because to, to, to kind of, to, to have, to have a voice, to, to be speaking into this, not, mm -hmm. not forcing it on people. If people mm -hmm. don't want to listen to it, they don't have to listen to it. That's, that's the beauty of something like this. Um, but as well, I think it, it has it has been hard. I mean, I can think of many conversations that I've had with people, certainly in like 2020, 2021, mm. um, where they're basically, you know, thinking, thinking, thinking I'm nuts. Yeah. And actually now it's like, well, it, it, it's... It, it's the other way around. It's like it's like saying, <laughs> "Look, you can you can you can see now, can't you? That that this is what's That's happened." And and you know, it's not a case of oh, "Oh, I told you so." It's not that. It's just saying, "Look, this is the reality. Can you see yet?" I hope so. What, uh, what, but what I, things do you think has turned the corner for for people that they've seen more? I'll recently? be honest. In in my my experience, I don't think many have. No. And I, and I think the reason for that that I've thought about so far is, is that there is the cost is too high. Mm. So, so when you, when you're, when you're faced with a significant challenge to your, your worldview, yeah, there is a cost to that. And the cost is, wow, everything's in pieces on the floor. Um, what do I do now? Mm. And for the believer, I think it's, there's tremendous freedom in that, but it, it's very unsettling. It's very unsettling when the kind of the paradigm you've grown up with, you've been shown, has yeah. been shown to be false. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, it's broken. It doesn't work. Mm. And yet, and yet that's the one that's promoted at the front of a church on a Sunday morning. Mm. Yeah. So it, it, the, co the cost, the cost I think is very high. There's a, there's a perceived cost of credibility. I think yeah. people don't want to be, people don't want to be labeled a conspiracy theorist. I no. have to laugh every time I say that, but, and, and all the baggage that goes with that. But even if it's mm. not that, it's still just having maybe, um, maybe outlandish ideas. But I think, I think again, just biblically, it's, we've got to be gentle, respectful and faithful yeah. to the truth. And at the end of the day, it's not our job to make other people 
other believers see things the way we see things. We can just stand for stand for what is right as far as we can under no, God. No, and partly what I was just pondering was maybe maybe this is something that is a little bit like a fundamentally broken assumption that um, again to talk about um, <laughs> to talk about mistaken perspectives that we've all bought into unquestioningly. One of one of these is that. Um, that by having the right conversations bottom up, that truth will kind of emerge. And if we, if enough truth tellers mm-hmm. are having the right conversations with their peers, and we kind of debate each other, and the truth will mm-hmm. out. I don't think that's. I don't think that is. <laughs> I don't think that's how the world works, and I don't think mm. that would be an effective way of, yeah, of, of trying to change things I mean, the, the real thing that say a young say a young man listening to this partly his um responsibility through his life is to both grow in knowledge and wisdom and then become a person with some responsibility and then use that responsibility well, so that if you become an elder in a church or become a father, you then are making the correct decisions for yourself. And perhaps you, you know, if you're an elder, you could then be the voice of wisdom that persuades the, the, your, your peers and, and that you like lead your church, um, I will. I would expect, in in a sense, it's kind. Of, it's, it seems reasonable to me, if God has proposed that form of authority structure for a church, that that would be, you know, that the there's teaching that comes down. Um, it it's less likely that that the church will go astray and what does it feed my sheep that's what um mm. jesus says to peter right mm-hmm. um feed my sheep feed my sheep and it's certainly <laughs> been my observation that people are very sheep like uh, it's not <laughs> it's not an abstract concept it's it's not necessarily derogatory that's just how people are that for lots of reasons they're busy they're, they're trusting they they want to just follow a leader mm. um yeah and i i think if the if the church leaders are significantly looking to their congregations for direction then that's an that's a recipe for disaster the the, the whole challenge of leadership is doing unpopular things for the good of the people who you're leading so it's there's there's limited value i think in discussing with your peers as a kind of emergency measure what really needs to happen is a generation of of men with their eyes open to lead the church well 
I mean, but, but there's there's so few, I think, though, leaders in church like that. But, I, but I, it's like trying if you if you discount that solution, it's like trying to land a plane with no wings. Mm. <laughs> yeah, but you can't. You, you're you can, right. You can't, you're right. You, you it can't is be like, how are we going to how are we going to save the church? But let's assume that all the leaders of the church are part of the problem. Like that, it's just impossible. So it, the, I, we can't rely on a congregation-led solution to the problem. If we need good decisions being made, they have to be taken by the decision makers. Like there is such a thing as powerless people under oppression. And obviously that's a tragedy if it's a church and the people doing the oppressing are those that have been, but, but that's like the, um, you know, the wolf in sheep's clothing. Why, why are we surprised that, that there are forces of darkness attempting to, to steer churches in, in the wrong direction? That's like mm. the oldest problem of the church. Um, and I, it, it, it's very accusatory to talk like that because obviously many of the pastors who I consider to have made bad decisions are lovely people. And, and a lot of them, I think, it's, it's, it's very difficult to see them as having anything but, but genuine um, passion for the gospel. I mean that that's the that's evangelicals all over isn't it it's every every word spoken is a chance to share the gospel but they just seem like um like hopelessly naive to what's actually happening that that they're kind of um <laughs> you know trying to swim against a, a tide instead of as, you know, yeah. instead of swimming with the, well, no, <laughs> that metaphor, that, that's unhelpful. <laughs> what yeah. I'm saying is you, you need to understand the currents so that you can, you can navigate to the safest harbor you can find. If you, mm. if you just, uh, you know, if you just are blindly set up towards the wrong destination, it doesn't matter how hard you paddle, you need to, there you go. The, the metaphor works. So you, <laughs> you, 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 you need to understand the. So, so partly the problem is, and, and you can see this so clearly if it's like, you know, the the vicar in in drag. <laughs> that's that's just a pure subversion. That is the evil. But then there's also the um, the kind of frustration that. Jesus feels towards Nicodemus of like, <laughs> you're meant to be the teacher of Israel mm -hmm. and you're just flatly misunderstanding, like all of his disciples constantly misunderstanding his teaching. It's like, yes, we, we, there's the full gamut of human failure at work, <laughs> the same way that Jesus had to deal with it. There is both the, um, the idiocy and stupidity and the straight up, sinfulness and degeneracy in you know they're they're in operation and in different parts of the world in different parts of the church um and yeah the the church has always and and throughout the old testament as well 
been filled with hopeless sinners who have absolutely zero chance of propagating <laughs> Jesus's message. The gospel is, you know, is entrusted into the worst hands, but that just shows the power of God that he's able to achieve his ends anyway, that mm. actually um, the success of the kingdom of God is not through human <laughs> wisdom and virtue, um, but entirely through the power of God. So, yeah, to, I guess to come back to the, how, how do you cope with the, the loneliness and the uncertainty of, um, of, of our current situation, um, all we can do is act out each day in the most godly way that we can and trust that God has, has the church the, the Catholic Church, if you will, <laughs> in his in his hands. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Yeah, I think that's that's true, and and I genuinely think, Luke, that um, that your Bible studies are an encouragement for. Um, well, I guess you probably don't even know how many people, but but certainly yeah. for me, they are, and and Great. maybe, and I'm sure there are there are young people there. There are you know future leaders there who who are listening um <laughs> so so tell us tell us wow. where we can find your channel yeah. the discord the various things that you do yeah so um if you type lambda bible studies into youtube then you should be able to find my youtube channel um i what's the best way to get people to the discord i i'm not very reliable at putting <laughs> the links in the description if you go to the right one of my videos it should have a dis it should I, have I a think, link okay, to yeah, one of the discords i found i found i found it and i'll put it on it and it, Thank it's, you. it's a great source of amusement to my teenage sons that i use discord as well so <laughs> um you, you got some cool, <laughs> cool dad points from it <laughs> i've got some points i'm not quite sure what they are but yeah <laughs> yeah um so that's so so yes the youtube channels i'm i'm basically doing one or two streams a week um and yeah, I, I've got a stream on on Friday with a kind of rotating panel of guests. I want to start one which is like a a fireside chat where I just have people on and we don't have an agenda. Normally, the the, the program is that we have an hour and we have a chapter of the Bible, basically, and we uh, we read it through and we talk about it. Um, try to explain primarily the aim of every the the the, the default stream that I do, the aim in my mind is that um, I just explain a chapter of scripture in simple terms, on its mm -hmm. own terms. I just I just explain what, what the Bible is saying. And, and anything else that happens in the stream, in addition to that, great. But that's the, that's my minimum objective. Um, the Discord lets people chat to each other. Um, I also have started running every summer. I do a, a weekend retreat. I've done a couple of these, um, okay. which, is, yep. which is another example of um, trying to take what is a, a weird online half-life that we all exist in <laughs> and turning it into 
real people that you can actually meet and see. And um, those have been, yeah, really wonderful. Um, so, yes, that's okay. something to look out for for next summer. Um Twitter, I, I never post on Twitter, so yeah, I don't know okay. why I haven't mentioned it. I used to put in, I used, I used to post Bible verses now and again. Um, so, so, um, it's not even called Twitter anymore. So, X, yes, <laughs> X, yeah, it's I have like... an X account. Um, so well, yeah, look, probably subscribe to my YouTube. That's that's my plug. All right. Well, that, what would we'll, we'll put all the links in the in the podcast um, description. So don't we sound like pro- professionals possible. when we say that? Like, yeah, it's, it's funny. <laughs> yes. It goes from like just a, a conversation or a chat to being like, um, you know, like and share and follow. <laughs> yes, yes. Hit that notification. Yeah. There icon. you go. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, look, Luke. Thank you so much for uh, taking the time to to chat with us. Oh, it's, it's been, been a it's been great. It's been great to talk with you, and uh, just really encourage everybody listening to um, go and check out your your um, YouTube site and and the Discord as well if they're feeling cool enough. And <laughs> um, of course, we'll put we'll put all the links on there, and there's links to the other you know, Alan Badger stuff on there as well. Um, anything you want to add before we finish, Helen? No, it's time, it's time for our Ovaltine, so. isn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, thank you Sorry, so much, Luke. I've, uh, I've, I've gone long here. No. I was going to ask, uh, you, you have, your podcast is called Owl and Badgers. Do, does one of you consider yourself the the eponymous owl and the other the badger? <laughs> Helen, you can explain. <laughs> I've explained this. I, I, I did last time. You can uh, explain this. I, I'm not sure I can even explain it. It goes back a long way. We've been okay. friends a long time and and there's, they're just kind of nicknames. I think... Yeah. Yeah, which one's which? I'm the owl. Ah, there you go. I'm the badger. It's quite, um, because Helen's got um, two sisters and Uh um, one one of her sisters has um, a lot of girls and they all call me badger. And so I seem to be the only nickname. To the point when somebody calls me Tim, I'm like, it's, it's, it's so like, should, you talk, oh, you talk to me right? <laughs> <laughs> you could go, Tim, Tim or Badger's fine I'll answer to both but yeah but, that, but that's that, it's, and it's one of those um, it's a great uh, name for a podcast it's also it's also would be a great name for a pub <laughs> yes. yeah much better yeah. name for a pub definitely. yes that, that's what we should diversify to isn't it yeah. a pub be that good. would be good and <laughs> that, then we that, could have Luke's fireside chats in the pub oh, we could nail everything we'd have church beer yeah. and yeah. and like a building I think we've yeah. just found our way out of the crisis <laughs> <laughs> The plans come together. Oh, right. Well, look, on Thanks that so much me. happy note, we will um, finish and um, we'll see you on the next one. Yep. Bye. The Owl and the Badger.